It's no secret that waste of all kinds is a huge environmental challenge. We may call it trash, but all trash starts out as something you purchased or something you were given. You buy items at the grocery store, the toy store, the local hardware store that comes packaged in plastic or cardboard or both. When you get home, that packaging goes into the trash bin and then to the landfill. Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. It's an interesting project to study just what goes into your trash and to see how much waste each of us generates in just one day or one week. In the program today, we'll look at what is called a closed loop or circular economic system in which, instead of throwing things away, we reuse them, remake them, recycle them, compost them. The most powerful thing each of us can do is to refuse to buy items that will generate trash for the landfill. Something to think about the next time you go shopping. My guest is Amy Tamides, who is an environmental advocate for the city of San Marcos, Texas. I asked Amy to describe a closed-loop system. The best way to describe a closed loop system is to think of it as cradle to cradle. So it's when you take an item and it's you you have the material, it's manufactured, it's bought by somebody, it's then to instead of being discarded, it's recycled, it's put into a waste stream that it can be reused or recycled. So it's a cradle to cradle. So that's the closed loop system. And then the other would be the open loop system is really more of a cradle to grave. So it would then be landfilled. Okay, so we're talking about items that we use maybe once or twice and then discard, correct? Uh, and the city of San Marcos was working toward a closed loop system. I know that probably entails a huge number of things, but can you give us kind of an overall picture of what that involves? So what I can tell you about the city of San Marcos is we're work. So we created a municipal solid waste comprehensive plan back in 20. The task force was created in 2010 and it took them two years to create the comprehensive plan in the end. So in March of 2012, it was finalized and presented to council. I was actually the chair of the task force at the time. I wasn't with the city yet. Um, I started with the city in May of 2013. The, um, and while we don't call it a zero waste goal, which is what a lot of communities would call at the time when we were doing that, a lot of people did not want to compare us to Austin and Austin was the closest community saying they had a zero waste goal. So we put, um, but we still put metrics within our plan to get close to zero waste. Now, being zero waste doesn't mean you have zero waste. It means you're diverting 90% of the material from going into the landfill. And when we were first rolling out parts of our program to get us there, we had the 2015 floods. So that kind of pushed us back. And then well, we had the two 2015 floods. And, and so it's been a slow process. We're currently hovering at around with the residential curbside service at about 30% diversion. It's where we, we tend to be hovering right now. Um, to get to being a zero waste community is going to be 
program that has to really look at everything. We need to start working with the businesses. And I'm actually having conversations with the Chamber of Commerce to look at how do we look at just promoting all sustainable sustainable programs, whether it's waste, energy, um, water, or incorporating some transportation or whatever it may be. Uh, so it's to become a zero waste is going to be a little more difficult. A lot of communities are still hovering at it around with their curbside. They can be a little higher, but they're usually around 50 to 75% if they're really being proactive. I mean, some of these communities are fining people for not recycling, but that's not something we would do in San Marcos. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Amy Tomides, and we're talking about a circular economy, a closed loop system. So uh, in the city of San Marcos, how do you get the word out to residents that they should be recycling or composting? At the beginning of every calendar year, we mail every residential household a service their service calendar and on the back is a waste sorting chart so our residents have a a trash cart a recycle cart and what we call a green waste which is a compost cart the recycle and the green waste are serviced every other week so we can't truly say that green waste is a compost because TCEQ would want food waste to be picked up every week um so we mail out with the service calendar the waste sorting chart, and it is color-coded in English and Spanish to match the lids of the carts because that's the only thing different on the carts. The body of it is dark green, but the lids are a different color. Then we also mail out to new residents a uh, what we call a residential quick facts sheet because we have a contract with Green Guy Recycling as well, and they take other items like tires, and appliances, even if they have Freon, all kinds of electronics, a whole bunch of scrap metal that really can't go into your curbside recycling. They operate a 24-hour drop-off facility because that's part of the contract we have with them. It also talks about our household hazardous waste drop-off facility, our monthly brush drop-off, our pharmaceutical drop-off, and some other ways to divert material from going into the landfill. Um, and then in, a, in the last couple of years, we added what's called a landfill display. In 2003, the EPA did a residential waste audit and the average, and so that's not just recycling or trash, it's everything that would be generated in a residential home. They audited that and they came up in that audit that they recognized that really only 3% of what Americans throw away should be going into the landfill and they have it, the rest of the material separated out into different waste streams in a percentage. And what we did is I had an externship with a St. Marcus High School teacher, math teacher, and I'd had this thought of making a visual for people to truly understand why we keep telling them to recycle. Um, and so it is Legos that are color-coded and the, all that material would fit into the landfill cell but if we separated it out, you would see where they would go and how much would still be left in the landfill. Because while we talk about reserving and preserving um, material and virgin material, a lot of people also think green is their pocketbook. And a majority of the 
rate that they pay for garbage is going to be for the landfill airspace. So the longer we can maintain the landfill airspace to not be used, then the longer we'll be able to minimize the increases in our garbage rate. Because as soon as the landfills fill up in this area, and at this point in central Texas, they're at about 35 to 50 years, then we'll have to transport our trash farther, which would increase the rate of our garbage rate. So we try to talk about the environmental and the economic impact when it comes to a person's pocketbook. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Amy Tamides, and we're talking about recycling and kind of getting to a zero-waste situation in San Marcos, Texas. Um, One of the components that I guess is a big problem is plastic, because there are so many forms that it comes in that we use every day, like bags of packaging, food, containers. Um, What can be done with plastics in a closed-loop system? When you look at recycling plastics, so when you look at, let's go back to aluminum and cardboard real quick, those can be recycled infinitely. They never lose their structure. They don't become weaker. When you look at plastics, so if you're recycling a plastic bottle, which is one of the uh, higher grade plastics, when it gets recycled every time, it's downgraded to a weaker plastic or a a not as well made plastic. And then... um, So then you're looking at trying to just get people to think about their single-use plastic usage and not having them use them. So having a reusable bottle, bringing their own cutlery everywhere instead of using single-use cutlery. Um, When you look at going out to eat, I know there's a lot of foam. So those foam, expanded polystyrene foam containers aren't really recyclable because they're contaminated and two, they're harmful because if you put hot food on it, it gets, it starts to melt, which then the food absorbs the, um, the chemicals. But if people would use compostable, then they would be able to compost and not even think about sorting if they had leftover food in it, they'd be able to compost everything. So in San Marcos, where we have the green waste cart, if we, if everybody had compost, if all the restaurants had compostable containers, they could just throw everything into their compost container or their green waste cart and not have to worry about sorting it out. There are some that actually have compostables. Our, in San Marcos, we have a mobile food truck ordinance, and it actually says that if you're having a mobile food truck, it has to be all compostable products because that's those items would blow easily into our streets and into our storm drains into the river. But there are some, and we also, some of the, the, so we can go back to the, the closed loop system. A lot of the issues that restaurants will say about compostable products is that they're too expensive. Well, part of that was because there wasn't a high demand for it years ago. So when you look at the closed loop system, if people are demanding compostables, then it would lower the cost for those products. So then they would become part of the whole closed loop system to become compost, which can then be used on to enrich soils. And people need to learn in this closed loop system that they don't just recycle, but they have to buy recycled content um, products. So like if you're going to buy paper for your printer, make sure it's at least 30% recycled content paper. I mean, recycled content 
yeah, recycled content material. So it's just making sure that you're buying the recycled content products and demanding, and that's through your purchasing power, that people, that stores actually have those available. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Amy Tamides, and we're talking about different items and how they can be recycled or whether they can be recycled at all. Um, I know the thought I had with restaurants, um, is the city encouraging individuals when they go to restaurants to bring their own containers to take food uh, that might be left over? A few years ago, we were starting to do that. Um, And I think that, and part of that was because we were working so late in the office that we were ordering from a restaurant. We were like, we're going to bring our own bag and our own containers for them to put it in and not not put it in their foam and plastic bag. It's really hard to get restaurants to change their habits. And this goes with people as well. A lot of this is just habits and trying to do a paradigm shift in their thought process within their habits. So, which is what we deal a lot with. It's just trying to paradigm shift their thought processes. Okay, moving on. What should people do with old clothing? They should donate them pass them down, give them to a secondhand store, make them into something else. But the other part of the whole clothing thing is to look at the content of their clothing. A lot of clothing is now made with plastic. And when they wash it, it then pieces of that will go into the wash water, which will go into our wastewater system. That system cannot capture those little microfibers, which then go into the in our case the river and in then into the gulf of mexico so it's not just the current clothes you have but also thinking about if you're purchasing any what it it's made of uh, not washing it all the time so it can last longer and also not put more of those microplastics into the waste stream and then not thinking and not thinking about fast fashion which is a, a big topic with a lot of people, it's just whatever is in at the moment. The fashion industry is really worked on, in in my opinion, um, trying to, well, it just, it's marketing. And I think about that with a lot of stuff. People believe in some things because of marketing. And so it's just, it's just something that can be used quickly and then just thrown out. And then the time, the fads change. So thinking of more, um, can you know styles that will last a lifetime instead of thinking of something that would be mass produced and then easy to buy but out of fashion the next year and you won't want to wear them again. And then what about household items such as furniture, books, appliances, dishes? There's a whole list of things there. What should we be doing with those? So trying not to destroy them. Not thinking, and, and this would go for anything, is to not think of things as just a throwaway item. I think that, you know, I will say this. My mother taught me when I first moved out to look at the quality of the product and not just something to get me through at that moment. So my first set of cookware was Cafalon that I still have, and that was 25, 30 years ago. And... And so if we quit thinking about something as 
an easy throwaway convenience and think about it as how do I keep this item for decades, then we're able to look at um, not creating so much waste. But then furniture, if it's in good condition, can go to somebody who's just starting out. So you put it on the curb and it's free, or you put it on Facebook Marketplace, or Craigslist in the free section, or to, to Goodwill. Dishes, and even if they're not good, putting them online and saying, we've got these dishes, I'm, I have a community cleanup that I do four times a year. I'm constantly taking dishes that might look like they would work for a project I'm working on or tile because I'm looking to do a tile mosaic. There might be artists who are looking for dishes they don't have to match, but they might be what they need for a project they're working on. Books, free little library, used bookstores or artists or teachers who are needing the books for art projects for their um, students. Appliances, if they are Freon based, you need to have the Freon certify re certifiably removed if you want it to go to a landfill. But like Green Guy Recycling here in San Marcos will take appliances with Freon in them. It'll be a charge unless you're a San Marcos garbage customer and then you it's part of our contract you'll get to, to donate or drop off one but making and then they will i know they have a company come in that removes the freon and then they recycle the appliance so it's kind of doing your homework and asking the where you might drop off a material what they'll actually do with it we have lots and lots of electronics what do we do with those green guy and i believe it's r3 recycling here in san marcos take electronic recycling and then there's also like best buy or some other places that sell electronics that will take certain electronics back but yeah there's there are places that will take electronics you just kind of have to do your homework and then there are hazardous items such as paints, light bulbs, batteries, stuff like that. Latex paint, once it's in a solid form, can actually go in the trash because it's not hazardous. It's a, it's they don't consider it a hazardous. It, it's um because it doesn't have oil or whatever else or lead nowadays. So latex paint, when dry, can go in the trash. When it's in liquid form or any other paints or stains that are not a latex based, they need to go to the household hazardous waste drop-off facility here in San Marcos, which is open to all Hayes County residents. Light bulbs are the same. When you talk about um, fluorescent light bulbs or LEDs, those would also go to the household hazardous waste drop-off facility, as would batteries. Are there any other types of items that should not be going to the landfill? A big one that people don't think about is tires. Tires cannot go in the landfill. And in, so when you look at TVs, in Texas, TVs can still go in the landfill, but in other states, they can't, which is weird. But the tires can't, and that's that's a statewide thing. Um, when So when I used to go and tour TDS landfill because they're our provider, and when they would talk about it, they would tell us, they would tell the people on the tour, you know, that the tires will eventually work their way up through to the top of the landfill. They don't just stay there in place. 
The tires cannot, and those can be recycled. Oh, one other thought. Things like old prescription medications, pills, stuff like that. Uh, what should we be doing with those? They should not be going in the trash. Is that right? They should not be going in the trash. They should not be going down the your sink or toilet. But what they should be doing is going to a prescription drug drop-off facility. Unless you have needles, needles cannot go to a prescription drug drop-off. But those can actually go to your household hazard, our household hazardous waste drop-off facility. Um, and uh, what about food waste? So food waste accounts for about 30% of the waste stream. First, really look at what you're, how much you're eating or how much you're cooking and make sure that you're not overcooking and overproducing waste in general. Two, you can backyard compost, but you just can't put meat, dairy, or eggs in it. And if you are in San Marcos, you can put kitchen-based um, scraps in your green waste cart if you don't want a backyard compost. In the, in the end, it's just being mindful of how much you're actually cooking and how you're and, and the waste you're creating in the prep process. Okay, and then if you have a garden, there's generally a lot of what pe uh, what some people consider garden waste, uh, things you're chopping up, uh, leaves, that kind of stuff. We have our green waste cart that takes our yard waste up to a five inch in diameter branch. And, we, and in San Marcos, we have that, and then you can put out extra yard paper yard bags to, um, and all of this goes to Texas Disposal Systems and their commercial composting facility. When we do events in San Marcos, so we can talk about sights and sounds, we manage the waste for sights and sounds. So we have eco stations there that would have trash, recycled compost. Their board is dedicated to being zero waste. So any food vendors there have to use all compostable or recyclable and it has to be recyclable. It can't be a two ounce condiment cup, cup that's plastic with ketchup in it because that cup will not be recyclable. It would have to be cleaned out and we're not gonna do that. So it, they'd have to do a compostable one or just have people not even use that. I mean, why even create that waste? Just have them squirt the ketchup anyway. That's our whole other topic of just don't even create the waste. Actually, can you talk about that, uh, about how, in, uh, how we want a system where the goal is not to create waste? Exactly. So when I, pre-COVID, when we would do events, we would have five-gallon containers of water and people had to bring a reusable um, bottle. We didn't provide bottled water automatically. So, I mean, so think about that. You're going to the park and you're going to have a picnic and you want to um, have, have juice for your child or for yourself. And you do a juice box that's got the plastic wrapped around the straw. Well, instead of doing that, if you just bought a container of juice or juiced your own fruits and put it in a reusable container, then you didn't create any waste or as or less waste and also not something that would easily blow into our river. Any other thoughts for listeners as to how you get on this closed loop system? When I first started in 2013, I always had people say it's it's going to be really difficult and nobody's going to want to recycle. They all want to be able to throw it all away. 
And, and they would even say, even the older people, they're not going to want to. And I was talking with an older person and I, I was making these comments. And I said, that just doesn't seem right. And they said, no, you know, back before World War II, plastic was not prevalent. There, it wasn't even around really, maybe in some weird, vague, obscure way. But it wasn't until after World War II that plastics came in. And so we've lived lifetimes without plastic and only using stuff that could be reused. The milkman came. So, so don't think of this as a, a hard thing to do. It's, it's really not. But being mindful, which is what everybody should be in everything that they do in their lives, just being mindful about that and just being patient with yourself is probably one of the best things people can do. Changing habits isn't easy, but when something as important as our planet is at risk, changing habits may be the only choice. Refusing to buy heavily packaged products is a first and important step using cloth instead of plastic bags, using a refillable water bottle, composting kitchen and yard waste, and buying quality items that last are additional steps we can take. Please tell people you know about this podcast, and thanks so much for listening. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news.